0: Coming up on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast, MLB Network dropped their top 10 second baseman in baseball. Where did Quetel Marte land? And then I had so much fun looking at those FanDuel odds the other day. Let's look at the D-backs odds to win the division, to make the playoffs, and decide if FanDuel is crazy or not with these D-backs odds, all on today's Locked on Dimebacks podcast.
1: Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: Welcome into the Locked On Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. day. You're Listening to who? Always charismatic host of this podcast, Miller Thomas, I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please. Go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. I like you see my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Dimebacks both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Special shout out to Ethan Taylor, his father hit me up saying it's his, it's his son's favorite podcast to listen to on his drive to school. That just warmed my heart so much getting that message. So shout out number one Dimebacks listener, Ethan Taylor. Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. Please continue to make it your first listen every day. You can do that by hitting subscribe on the Locked on Dimebacks YouTube channel and of course following following us on all your podcasting platforms. And let me mention, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And speaking of FanDuel, I had so much fun doing that exercise with silly Baseball the other day, going through the MOE futures for awards and deciding the best value. So I want to look at FanDuel again because they dropped their odds for win totals, over-unders there, and odds to make the playoffs, odds to win the division. So I want to look at some of those odds for the D-backs and decide if FanDuel is off their rocker or if I need to go play some money down. And I first want to talk about the over-under for the D-backs according to FanDuel because right now... According to Fandle, the D-backs over under on win totals for the season is 74 and a half. If you need to be reminded, last year, the D-backs finished 74 and 88. So basically, do you think the D-backs are going to replicate the exact same season the last year? Well, I'm going to make the case as to why I think you should pound the over right now. The under is better value at plus 100, but I would rather take the minus the minus one and hit the over because I think the D backs are going to go over 74 and a half wins. I'm not saying the D backs are going to win 95 games last year, but the D backs win 77 games next year, 78, even 500. I would not be surprised at all because I think there's a few reasons why the D backs could improve on their record from this past season. And Be a fringe wildcard contender. At least make it interesting the last couple weeks. Because, like I said, the D-backs last season won 74 games already. So, they just have to win one more game than last year just to win the bet. So, that's not a crazy statement to make when you just look at it like that. One more win than last year. The D-backs cash your bet. Yes, please. Or, how about this? Last season, the D-backs first half. It was all right. They were okay in the first half. But, in the second half of last season... The D-backs really heated up after the All-Star break. After the All-Star break, they were only two games below five hundred I think they were like 34 and 36 the second half of baseball. And even though they had a below five hundred record, they had a plus-15 run differential. Now, that's not an insane run differential by any mark, but still, plus-15 is still pretty impressive when you think about it in total. When you think about it for a whole half that's very impressive. Like the Giants were a 500 team last year and they were plus 19 on the season. So, plus 15 over the course of a full season, you probably are winning 77, 78 games and once again hitting that over of the 74.5. Another reason why I think the D backs are going to crush this win total is because. Think about how bad the D-backs are the last couple seasons against their own division, right? When you think about the D-backs against the NL West, it hasn't really been pretty. Like, we know the Colorado Rockies aren't a very good baseball team. I think the D-backs were still 9-10 against the Colorado Rockies last year. They were 10-9 against the Giants. And then they were both 5-14 against the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. So in total, they were 29-47 and 47 against the NL. L West their division ran through the Arizona Dimebacks but now with the new rule changes in 2023 the D-backs are going to be playing their division a lot less which should hopefully lead to a few more wins because against the rest of Major League Baseball last season the D-backs We're 45 and 41, I guess, against the rest of the MLB. Again, that's not a fantastic number. That's not elite, but 45 and 41 over the course of a full season, once again, right under 80 wins. So there's a whole bunch of indicators showing you that the D-backs were already a 74-win team last year, and there's more than enough indicators showing you that they should, and I think probably will go over that mark this season. And just Outside of just talking numbers, you could just talk about the players, right? You're going to get a full season of the favorite for Rookie of the Year, according to FanDuel, in Corbin Carroll. We saw what he did in that small sample size last year. Corbin Carroll for a full season, that kind of dynamic player. Have we seen a player like that next to Kentel Marte during his tenure with the D-backs outside of like a Paul Goldschmidt? Corbin Carroll might be the most dynamic player the D-backs have ever had. When I say dynamic, that doesn't mean the best. Paul Goldschmidt's the best player that they've had in like since Luis Gonzalez. But in terms of being dynamic, in terms of getting on base, stealing bases, hitting for power, tracking down fly balls like it's nothing, uh, setting your teammates up, driving people home, scoring runs, in terms of being able to do so many different things on the baseball diamond, Corbin Carroll might be the most dynamic player the D-backs have had in over 20 years, if not longer, if not ever when I look at the catcher position yeah Carson Kelly's still there but there should be a whole lot more upside with Gabriel Moreno who is considered a stud offensive catcher still super young still doesn't have a super large sample size but what we did see from him in Toronto very promising and I do hope and I do I am manifesting that having Moreno there puts the extra pressure on Carson, on Carson Kelly, and I'm hoping the pressure doesn't break Carson Kelly and with his back against the wall, actually steps up and performs and says, hey, if I want to keep this starting job full-time in Arizona, I got to beat out Gabriel Moreno, or if I at least want to get traded to a good team and not just be a salary dump or get you know some kind of other transaction, then I need to play well. So I'm hoping with Moreno behind him, it puts a little bit more pressure on Carson Kelly to perform well. And just speaking of the other young guys, like all the young pitchers that the D-backs are going to parade through the rotation with the Ryan Nelsons and the Dre Jamisons and the Brandon Fats and maybe the Blake Waltons. Like, I think the rotation should have some extra life. Like, I think eventually Madison Bumgarner will get phased out the rotation this year. Zach Davies will get some starts, but you might see a whole bunch of young starters in this rotation. I think Tommy is still going to get a look or two in that rotation as well. Even though I'm not a big Tommy Henry guy, LC's still a pretty young pitcher. And some of those young starting pitchers that are going to parade through the rotation, some of them are also going are also going to go into the bullpen. If Ryan Nelson struggles a little bit to start the year, or maybe they just want to give another look at one of those young starting pitchers like a brand fat, they might just put Ryan Nelson in the seventh inning role or the eighth inning role and try and make him a high leverage reliever. So I just love all the things that indicate the D-backs are going to go over. Even if you want to get crazy with it, one of the new rules for next year, bigger bases, D-backs going to have one of the best team speeds in all of Major League Baseball. Got the fastest player in baseball in Corbin McCarroll. Got another top 10 fastest player in baseball in like Alec, or I think Jake McCarthy's top 10. Alec Thomas is like top 25. Gabriel Moreno's quick for a catcher. Joshua stole like 20 bases last year. Like there's real potential for there to be like what? five D-backs to steal between 15 and 35 bases next year. Maybe there's six guys that are in double-digit steals, which is just absolutely insane. So I like this D-backs team a lot entering next season. I'm not going to call them playoff contender, or excuse me, I'm not going to call them a real playoff team or anything or a lock to make the playoffs. But if you're telling me, should I bet over or under when it comes to 74 and a half wins? Best believe I'm smashing that over every day of the week. And if you want to smash that over too, you need to head to FanDuel Sportsbook because this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new betting partner because for Locked On, they're the number one sportsbook in America. That's right, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun, and easy. You just download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. I love FanDuel during the NFL season because I'm a big Saints fan. So every Sunday I woke up, I opened my FanDuel app up and I placed a few dollars down on the Saints' money line. Now, more than often, did I lose those bets? Yes, but did I still have a great time doing it? Yes, I did. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back into the Lock on Diebacks podcast, and apologize to anyone if I sound nasally, dealing with a little bit of a cold, very runny nose. But I've been nuking my system with vitamin C and zinc, and so I think I'm going to be better. Hopefully, in the next couple of days, I'm doing a little Vegas trip this week, so I'm hoping to be better for Vegas because I am going on a crazy bender starting Thursday. But enough about me and my benders. Let's get back. Excuse me. I hope you guys didn't hear that burp. Let's get back into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. I want to be real with you guys. If you guys heard me burp, I'm human. It happens. Um, I want to look at another FanDuel thing because I want to look at the odds to win your division. And, of course, we just care about the NL West because currently I think the division winner odds are just absolutely insane on FanDuel. Especially when I look at the NL West and I look at the D-backs because, look, I understand the D-backs being plus 4,000. You're making an insane long shot. It's not because FanDuel doesn't like the D-backs. Maybe they don't because I think the D-backs have the third worst odds to win the World Series, which I think is also ludicrous. But plus 4,000, I don't think that's ludicrous because of who's in their division with the Los Angeles Dodgers and San Diego Padres. Two power house teams that should be competing for a World Series this year. But the thing that really gets me is not the plus 4,000 for the D-backs. It's the fact that the Giants are only plus 1,200. How can the Giants be so much closer to the Padres and the Dodgers than the D-backs are to the San Francisco Giants? I think the Giants, as I've talked about a lot, are on a very similar, if not the same level as the D-backs, because I think there's a real argument for the D-backs to be better than the San Francisco Giants. Because when I just look at that Giants lineup. I'm just not that impressed. According to RotoChamp right now. This is their projected lineup and rotation. They're going to have Thyro Estrada at second base. Ketel Marte is better. You have Mike Yastrzemski in the outfield at one of the positions. With the Mitch Haniger and Jock uh, Peterson at DH. Conforto in the other outfield. So when I compare it to the D-backs. Like yeah. It might be slightly better outfield in terms of offensive upside with the Giants, but in terms of defense, the D-backs definitely got them with the Corbin Carroll, Alec Thomas combination, and... Corbin Carroll can easily be the best outfielder among the Yastrzemski's and the Hanegers and the Petersons. Jake McCarthy had a breakout season last year, and Jake McCarthy was better than a Mike Yastrzemski last season. Maybe Alec Thomas progresses and gets better. If not, you still got Lords Gurriel out there as well, who's solid and probably as good as definitely better than a Yastrzemski as well, too. So when I look at the outfield for the two teams, I think it's kind of a wash, too. Probably higher floor when it comes to offensive stability with the Giants but definitely a higher ceiling I think when it comes to the D-backs outfield both offensively and defensively when I look at third base Wilmer Flores versus Evan Longoria we're starting the Giants former third baseman Evan Longoria so I know our third baseman's better I know Evan is old getting a little crusty and dusty but he's still someone that's effective and we're only gonna need him for 90 to 100 games we're not telling Evan Longoria to play 150 games if we get a If we get a 100-game season out of Evan Longoria where he produces like he has the last two years, that would be an absolute steal for the D-backs. Brandon Crawford at shortstop might be better than the D-back shortstop if it's not Josh Rojas because I think Rojas is better than a Brandon Crawford at this point. Lamont Wade, Christian Walker is definitely better than him. Then Joey Bart, we just traded for the best catching prospect in baseball and still have Carson Kelly. So really when I look at the – Giants lineup, the only argument you can make that is better than the D-backs lineup is probably the outfield where you got a little bit more stability from your Hanegers, your Petersons, your Confortos, your, Strems, your, your, your yes Stremskis. I couldn't get that name out for a second in terms of what you expect from their offense, but it's still not guaranteed. guarantee. It's still not a slam dunk, and the rest of the lineup, I think, definitely leans toward the D-backs. And I look at their rotation. Logan Webb is a stud. I told Sully Baseball, I think he's a great value to win the Cy Young Award. But is he better than Zach Allen? I don't think so. Alec Cobb, number two. He's probably as good as Merrill Kelly. They're probably the same level of pitcher. And coming off last season, Merrill Kelly's better. Sean McNeil, number three. More established than whoever the D-backs are going to be throwing in at number three, unless it's bum garner. If it's one of those young rookies, i probably like him better. I like Ross Stripling at number four. I'll give the Giants that. Of a top three, their number three starter is definitely better than any D-backs number three starter. But once again, the D-backs are going to be parading in young rookies and any one of them could break out and easily be better than a 37-year-old Ross Stripling. So just comparing the two rosters on paper, I'm just so flummoxed as to why FanDuel has the Giants so much closer winning the division with the Padres and Dodgers than the D-backs I think that's absolutely insane like I look at the Giants as more of a high floor team than the D-backs but I think the D-backs definitely have a higher ceiling and the other thing that kind of made me upset is the odds for the D-backs to make the playoffs because they're only at plus 410 and I know the D backs are still a long shot to make the playoffs because if you're saying, okay, if the D backs make the playoffs as a wild card team, who are you kicking out? And it's tough to make that argument. I would probably, me personally, I would probably kick out the New York Mets, the team that won 101 games, as opposed to the two below 90 win teams that made the playoffs, but the Padres, I think with Tatis back and Bogarts, I think they're going to be nasty this season. The Phillies signing Trey Turner, they tr- they signed Taiwan Walker, and their executive, Dave Dombrowski, he is the most aggressive guy of maybe any front office member, so he will definitely be in the mix to make a move. Now, you could say Bryce Harper's going to miss half the season, so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't argue if you think, Phillies are the team that's going to miss the postseason, but the Mets are just putting so much, so many eggs into the Verlander and Scherzer basket, and I get it. Both of those guys are still two of the top five pitchers in baseball, but they're also at the point in their careers where they can fall off at any moment, either due to poor play because of age or due to injury because of age. So I would pick the Mets to be the team to miss out on the playoffs are also the New York Mets. There's just some kind of curse there where it feels like they can't be good every single season. It feels like some seasons they just have to take off, have some players hurt, have some wacky things go on, get a scandal, lose all your money, you know, New York Mets stuff. And so if I had to pick a team to miss the postseason of the three wildcard teams that made last year, I'd probably pick the New York Mets. But I'm not exactly picking the D backs to make the postseason. I just don't like the odds of plus four ten. I just found that I just found that to be a little high for the D-Backs. I thought it should have been more like a plus three hundred because you're telling me the Orioles, Red Sox, Cubs, and White Sox all have a better chance of making the postseason. Then the Arizona Dimebacks, the D-backs are basically tied with the Miami Marlins to make the postseason. And maybe the Orioles, Red Sox, White Sox all have better odds to win, all have better odds to make the postseason because they play in the American League, a a little bit of an easier conference right now. The Chicago Cubs play in the worst division, the NL Central. So if you're making the argument that the D-backs have to play tougher opponents and that's why their odds are worse, then sure, I would understand that and I get behind that, but Just seeing it written down on paper, Cubs, better odds to make the postseason than the D-backs. Red Sox, better odds to make the postseason than the D-backs. I just found it jarring at first when I first look at the numbers across my screen. Now, the final thing I want to talk about today before we wrap up today's podcast is this little list that MLB Network dropped because they love it's the offseason. They're searching for content, of course, like all of us locked on hosts during the offseason. It's tough to find content someday. So right now, MLB Network is doing their little top 10 series voted on by who knows who, either players, coaches, fans. I don't know who votes on it. I particularly don't really care, but I care enough that it got me upset because they dropped their top 10 second baseman in baseball and according to MLB Network Ketel Marte who was number 1 on last year's list has fell all the way to number 8 on this year's list and i had to just look at this list and say is this accurate is this correct because currently MLB Network has a list of Jose Altuve one, Jeff McNeil two of the New York Mets. Altuve of the Astros, of course. Andres Jimenez three of the Guardians. Simeon four of the Rangers. Lowe five of the Rays. Polanco six of the Twins. Brandon Donovan, the rookie number seven of the Cardinals. Then Ketel Marte at number eight. Kelton Wong at number nine of the Mariners, and then Gleyber Torres at number ten of the Yankees. Like. MLB Network thinks Ketel Marte is somewhere between a rookie Brandon Donovan and Colton Wong, who is a journeyman. Just you need a second baseman, but you don't want to break the bank on one. You just need someone that's good, not great, that can do it for a season or two for your ball club. You go get you a Colton Wong. And so looking at this list, I was like, there's no way Ketel Marte is number eight. So I was like, you know what? screw MLB Network they don't know what the hell they're talking about so I'm going to come up with my own list of top 10 second basemen in Major League Baseball of course Ketel Marte is going to be number eight so let's look at our list and compare it to MLB Networks because for me number 10 I'm starting off with Colton Wong I think he's a solid player I think he's really good he's got some power he's got some pop but like I said no one wants to keep Colton Wong around long-term. Like, he was with the St. Louis Cardinals from 2013 to 2020. Excuse me. And he's, and the Cardinals were like, he's good. He's not great. Career 261 average, 732 OPS. Like, Colton Wong is solid. He's gotten better. I think he's gotten better the last couple seasons, like 2019, 2021, 2022. I think Colton Wong has improved a lot. But no way he's better than Quetan Marte. No, I mean, MLB Network didn't think he was better than Quetan Marte. I still think he's a top 10 second baseman, but I think he's the 10th best second baseman because at number nine, I would still take Gleyber Torres over him. And basically how I'm doing this ranking of top 10 second basemen is basically who would I want to start a franchise with? With no context, not talking about salary, not talking about age, going into next season, which of these second basemen would I want to put at my second base the most? Colton Wong's number 10. Number nine, I would have Glaber Torres because he's still young, still some upside there, and he's the power guy. He's still 24 home runs last season in 140 games. He's still 38 home runs in 2019. 24 is a rookie. Like, I know this guy has not been the same since 2019 where he was taking the world on fire. Like, those first two years... Gleyber Torres looked like a future superstar, and he was playing like a future superstar, but hasn't been the same case the last three years, but I still think he's the ninth best second baseman in baseball. Still got a ton of pop, and I would take him on my team. Number eight, I would put Brandon Donovan, and he's only number eight because he's a rookie, and I don't exactly know. It's more of an upside play. Like, he had a four-point war, 4.1 war last year. It's probably mostly because of defense. His numbers really weren't that impressive. I mean, 126 games, five home runs. Like 45 RBIs, he didn't do anything crazy. So I'll put him at number eight just because he's a rookie and you could talk yourself into some upside. But realistically, I probably want to put him at number nine and Glaber Torres at number eight. But we'll put Brandon Donovan at eight right now and be okay with it. Number seven, I got Brandon Lowe, and this was after last season. Yeah, if you had Brandon Lowe ahead of Ketel Marte, then it would have been hard to argue because Brandon Lowe was coming off a top ten MVP season in terms of votes. Thirty nine home runs in twenty twenty one, uh, eight sixty three OPS. He was a beast in twenty twenty one. But this past season, below is seven hundred OPS. Only played sixty five games. Like he barely did anything this past year. So why should he be ranked ahead of Ketel Marte? Brandon Lowe's still pretty young, only 28 years old. I like Brandon Lowe, but if we're talking about recency bias and we're talking about past performance as well and what he could do for me in the future, Brandon Lowe, I think, has to be below Kenton Marte. That's why I have him at number seven. Number six, I got jorge polanco i like polanco a lot he's got a little speed he's got a little pop as well 16 home runs last year doesn't really have a ton of speed i thought it was a little bit more really good in 2021 a little bit of a down season last year and just another guy 104 games so definitely injured 16 home runs 56 rbis there's 235 average 751 ops like i know Keto Marte didn't have a great season but I know what the ceiling of a Ketel Marte is, and if we're saying a guy like Jorge Polanco, who didn't even have that great of a season, has never had a season as good as Ketel Marte's best season, like why is he ranked ahead of Ketel Marte? I do not understand. Polanco is the sixth best second baseman in baseball. Number five, this one is going to hurt Mets fans, but I got Jeff McNeil. And look, Jeff, Jeff McNeil's coming off a really strong season, led the league in average at 326 and at 836 OPS, but I just lets me know he was mostly a doubles machine, 39 doubles, which is really nice. Only nine home runs, only 62 RBIs. Like The average is great. The OPS is great. I love those numbers, but I would like a little bit more in the traditional numbers. Like I know people don't like RBIs. If you're batting 326 or 836 OPS, I expect like 70 plus RPIs. He played 148 games. Can I get double-digit home runs? I don't think that's crazy to that ask for. Jeff McNeil had a really good season. He deserved to be an all-star last year, but he's not better than the best version of Ketel Marte. Now, like I said, for we're combining recency bias, what we did last season, also combining past performance and what we could do for me next year of the rankings of players who who I want the most, I think Ketel Marte at number four here is really good because Ketel Marte is coming off the really down season because you look at his numbers one more time, a 240 average, a 727 OPS, really bad 12 home runs, 137 games. Nothing about Quinta Marte's season last year is impressive, but only 29 years old. I think he's going to bounce back, but he clearly, I don't think, can be ahead of these next three guys, at least for right now, if you're saying, which second baseman do I want to take to start my team? Because that number three... I got Andres Jimenez, who was coming off a breakout season last year. Fantastic. A near 300 average, 837 OPS, 17 home runs, 20 stolen bases, 6 in MVP voting, gold glove winner. Just a fantastic season overall. Definitely a better season than Ketan Marte last year. Super young, 24 years old, produced a 7.4 war last season. He's clearly ahead of Ketan Marte in these rankings right now. Number two, I would have Marcus Simeon, who I think is prime for a huge year. I think he's going to like how Lindor struggled his first year in New York and then had a great season his second year. I think the same case is going to be said for Marcus Simeon, who even though he had a little bit of a down year, because a 248 average and 733 OPS is not that good. Not what you pay for if you're the Rangers. He still had 26 home runs, 25 stolen bases, and played 161 games. So he played as many games as you could want, stayed healthy, can still produce over-the-fence power, can still steal some bases. I think he's going to bounce back and get a 800-plus OPS probably this season and probably look like a borderline MVP candidate because this is someone that was third in MVP voting in 2021 and third in MVP voting in 2019 as well. So... Simeon at number two, I think, is definitely fair when you combine all the factors I've talked about. The number one, very easily, has to be Jose Altuve. Had the best numbers of any second baseman last year. Once again, won the World Series, 300 average, 921 OPS just last season, 33 years old. And last season, also 28 home runs, 18 stolen bases, fifth in MVP voting. Jose Altuve is a stud and definitely deserving number one. But redoing the ranking.